0: Everyone, Welcome to the Mystic Show. This is great. I'm so happy to be here this morning. I'm your host, Chris Curran. And uh, this is the show where we talk about spirituality and meditation and mindfulness and all the most important things in our lives, really, right? The unseen and otherworldly. And, um, you know, if you kind of listen to what we talk about here and participate in the conversation and actually implement these things in your life, it'll make a big difference in your spiritual progress. Really will. We broadcast live every weekday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on the Fractal Stream. That's right, 8 a.m. New York City Time. And then we archive every show as a podcast. That's right, every show. So in we we put it up on three different places, iTunes, Stitcher, and our website. And our website is really cool because each of these shows has a like a post with a description and a little write-up. So you can browse the shows by keywords and tags and you can find all the different topics you're interested in and and read the post, listen to the show, or whatever you want. Uh so our website is www.themysticshow.net themysticshow.net and also there's links to our social media as well. I was just, I'm just on the site right now, I was looking at the notes from the last episode which I'm going to summarize in a minute because we're going to continue reading from that one section that we were reading from. Quick little thank you to our sponsor Pause Your Life That's right, if If your life is at that point where you just throw your hands up and say, stop, or not stop, but pause, (laughs) I don't know, has anyone ever done that? Just yelled out pause in the middle of their work or life? (laughs) But you know, life is crazy, and when you feel the need to pause and get some balance, it's very important. So Pause Your Life does meetups and retreats, yep. You can find out more info at pauseyourlife.org. PauseYourLife.org And again, the link will be on the show post and everything You can easily find it So I'm happy uh, I'm happy so many of you could tune in this morning From all across the United States And the world So This is great And I want to jump right in Because The section we're going to read today is really cool Um, This is from the book Called from Poverty to Power, and it was written by James Allen. He's the English mystic who um, who was born in the in the I think eighteen sixties, and I think he passed away in nineteen thirteen or fourteen. And he wrote many books. This is his first book. From poverty to power, and we've read probably three sections. I think we're on our fourth or fifth section. Uh, they're kind of like chapters, but he doesn't he doesn't number them as chapters, though. And the one we're reading from now is called Yeah. Get ready for this: the silent power of thought, controlling and directing one's forces. Yes, you have a lot of forces. Yep. And you're a mystic in training. You're learning how to use all these forces, right? We are. We're all learning. Um, We started this section last show, and I just wanted to quickly summarize what, what uh, James Allen was telling us. Basically, he said that matter is objectivized thought. So matter is like, thought turned into something uh, physical. And basically all accomplishments begin with mere thoughts. And he also noted that the psychic forces of a nation, the collective thoughts of each and every member of a nation are what bring about the fate of that nation. And he says, not just the random decision of one man or woman. Um, He also talked about fear and worry. And those two things are elements of lack of faith. Of course, faith here meaning the general faith, not not necessarily religious faith. Um, more like faith in yourself as a human being. And he says fear and worry are as sinful as to curse. So when we have real faith, there's no fear and no worry. And... This is one of my favorite quotes from that section. To mentally affirm the good is inadequate. It must, by unswerving endeavor, be entered into and comprehended. So to mentally affirm the good is inadequate. So we have to go beyond affirmation, right? We have to step into it, enter into it, and comprehend it. And mostly that's... Again, this big experiment with yourself, self with the capital S, your your life, your existence here as a human being, you know, we have to push the envelope a little. We have to find out what, what is our mind? What is deeper inside of me and deeper in, in the universe? So the only way to do it is to get into it and, and do things and try things. And he also mentioned about self-control, because, again, the whole concept of this chapter is, um, again, the title, The Silent Power of Thought, Controlling and Directing One's Forces. So, we have to control and direct our forces, and uh, that's where we're going to start off with today. He starts talking about self-control a little bit. So, let's go ahead and read this. Um, Again, if you're just if you're just relaxing, uh, by your computer or with your smartphone or tablet, um, and you're not doing anything else, you may want to close your eyes while I read this and just follow along and just relax. Uh, of course, if you're driving, don't do that. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's begin. The intelligent practice of self-control quickly leads to a knowledge of one's interior thought forces and, later on, to the acquisition of that power by which they are rightly employed and directed. In the measure that you master self, that you control your mental forces instead of being controlled by them in just such measure will you master affairs and outward circumstances show me a man under whose touch everything crumbles away and who cannot retain success even when it is placed in his hands and I will show you a man who dwells continually In those conditions of mind which are the very negation of power. To be forever wallowing in the bogs of doubt, to be drawn continually into the quicksands of fear, or blown ceaselessly about by the winds of anxiety, is to be a slave, and to live the life of a slave. Even though success and influence be forever knocking at your door seeking admittance. Such a man, being without faith and without self-government, is incapable of the right government of his affairs and is a slave to circumstances, in reality a slave to himself. Such are taught by affliction and ultimately pass from weakness to strength by the stress of bitter experience. Faith and purpose constitute the motive power of life. There is nothing that a strong faith and an unflinching purpose may not accomplish. By the daily exercise of silent faith, the thought forces are gathered together. And by the daily strengthening of silent purpose, those forces are directed toward the object of accomplishment. Whatever your position in life may be, before you can hope to enter into any measure of success, usefulness, and power... You must learn how to focus your thought forces by cultivating calmness and repose. It may be that you are a businessman and you are suddenly confronted with some overwhelming difficulty or probable disaster. You grow fearful and anxious and are at your wits' end. To persist in such a state of mind would be fatal. For when anxiety steps in, correct judgment passes out. Now, if you will take advantage of a quiet hour or two in the early morning or at night and go away to some solitary spot or to some room in your house where you know you will be absolutely free from intrusion and Having seated yourself in an easy attitude, you forcibly direct your mind right away from the object of anxiety by dwelling upon something in your life that is pleasing and bliss-giving. A calm, reposeful strength will gradually steal into your mind and your anxiety will pass away. Upon the instant that you find your mind reverting to the lower plane of worry, bring it back again and re establish it on the plane of peace and strength. When this is fully accomplished, you may then concentrate your whole mind upon the solution of your difficulty. And what was intricate and insurmountable to you in your hour of anxiety will be made plain and easy. And you will see with that clear vision and perfect judgment which belongs only to a calm and untroubled mind the right course to pursue and the proper end to be brought about. It may be that you will have to try day after day before you will be able to perfectly calm your mind, but if you persevere, you will certainly accomplish it. And the course which is presented to you in that hour of calmness must be carried out. Doubtless, when you are again involved in the business of the day, and worries again creep in and begin to dominate you, you will begin to think that the course is a wrong or foolish one, but do not heed such suggestions. Be guided absolutely and entirely by the vision of calmness, and not by the shadows of anxiety. The hour of calmness is the hour of illumination and correct judgment. By such a course of mental discipline, the scattered thought forces are reunited and directed like the rays of the searchlight upon the problem at issue, with the result that it gives way before them. There is no difficulty, however great, but will yield before a calm and powerful concentration of thought, and no legitimate object, but may be speedily actualized by the intelligent use and direction of one's soul forces. Not until you have gone deeply and searchingly into your inner nature and have overcome many enemies that lurk there, can you have any approximate conception of the subtle power of thought, of its inseparable relation to outward and material things, or of its magical potency, when rightly poised and directed in readjusting and transforming the life conditions and that's the end of that section there let's take a let's take a pause here on the mystic show <laughs> Okay, welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran, and uh, that musical interlude was a song called Fantino by Sebastian Tellier. Um, That's off the soundtrack from the movie Lost in Translation, which is one of, uh, I don't know why, but it's one of my favorite movies. I guess it's funny. It's a funny movie. Uh, And a little bit contemplative. So thank you to uh, Sebastian Tellier for that musical interlude, and yeah. So we read that section from our James Allen book, and right. I mean, he talks about the man who who cannot retain success even when it is placed in his hands. <laughs> right? Did you ever feel that way in your life, or did you ever? know anyone who was like that, where no matter what, no matter how many good things are given to them, they just seem to slip through their fingers and crumble away. And James Allen tells us that's because, well, because that person dwells continually in those conditions of mind, which are the very negation of power. So negative thinking, doubt, fear, fear, Worry, right? Those things just negate our own power, and then we don't have power to to do anything and then, okay, so the big, important point, I believe, um, or one of the big, important points of this little section we read, is um he talks about a man or or a woman who is in business. And is suddenly confronted with some overwhelming difficulty or probable disaster. You know, and automatically or immediately fear and anxiety kind of come into the picture. And what James Allen is is suggesting is that, you know, if you persist in that state of mind, that's going to be bad news. So he suggests if we, um, if if you basically pause and be with yourself for an hour or two, just in calmness and silence um, in the morning or at night, or I guess the morning and night are the best times, but really it can be done whenever, and basically just calm down your mind and... uh he says, "Focus on something in your life that is pleasing and bliss giving, and wait for the calm and reposeful strength to to come to you gradually, and and the anxiety will go away." So then, once you're, and remember, I, I said life is in <laughs> life is an experiment. You gotta. I mean, have you ever tried to do this? Yeah, I don't know if it's very easy, and uh, <laughs> but once the calmness comes over you after some time, right, because we need time to sort of decompress or vent or something, Um, then you'll be able to contemplate the issue at hand, you know, the problem you had with your work, let's say, and you will be able to see it much more clearly with a calm mind. And when you see it clearly, you'll, you'll much easier know what to do and where what your goal should be and maybe even what your next actions should be. So when you're calm like that, you can really think clearly and everything is plain and simple in a way. So that problem that was that was such a big problem before is not really that big of a problem. A good solution might be close at hand. So and then, but here's the thing, then he says when you go back to work, let's, you know, for using our example, when you go back to work and, you know, you get back into the, uh, you know, the the business of the day, you know, worries and fear, they will creep in again, right? Once you're really involved in your day and, and, and taking all those actions, uh, you know, as part of your work. Um, you'll start to think, oh, that plan that I made when I was really calm and by myself and everything was so simple, that plan that I made or that I, those ideas that I had, those are not good. I have to do something different. I have to take care of this emergency. And what James Allen is saying is that no. He says, always go with the plan and the ideas that you had when you were calm. And, and I guess that's almost like a level of trusting yourself that, trusting yourself that you took some time and you, you know, quote-unquote, solved the problem, and now you're just taking action to solve the problem. We have to trust that, right? We have to trust ourselves that we thought of the right thing and it's good. And when we get, you know, clobbered by the day-to-day craziness of life, we have to always remember back to the plan we had for ourselves and stick with it. So that's, that's what James Allen is saying. Stick with that good plan always. Now it it doesn't mean that, you know, maybe that evening you'll spend another hour or two by yourself becoming calm. And, and maybe when you're calm again, maybe you do have new ideas or to slightly change your plan or, you know, that's life, right? Things always change and morph and evolve. Um, but in the heat of battle is not the time to, uh, it's not always the time to come up with the best plan. And he, and he also talks about that there's, there's no difficulty, however great, but will yield before a calm and powerful concentration of thought. And there's another quote, which I don't have handy, but it's something like, uh, and I don't even know who said it, but it's something like, no problem can withstand the uh, assault of concentrated thought. So basically, any problem out there, if we really focus our thought, we can overcome that, period, always. Always. I, that's what I believe, too. So, All right. Well, that uh, what a great section. Again, we'll finish that section tomorrow, this one, uh, the section that's called The Silent Power of Thought. Uh, but right now, let's uh, read a little bit, little sample from our other book, 365 Tao. This is a really cool book. 365 Tao, Daily Meditations. And the... The entry for today, because there's an entry for every day of the year, uh, is called Images. Images. So it's very short. I'll just go ahead and read it, then we can discuss it for a minute. All right, so here we go. Images. Sound, smell, taste, image, touch, sleep. Can you think without clinging to these forms? A thought without shape is rare. Knowledge of Tao rarer still. Our mind needs to cling to some object in order to function in its usual modes. If you look at your memories, you will find that most are tied to some sensory image. The thought of being in the country brings up a certain fragrance. You see relationships in a certain way. We may do math problems or compose something to say to our companions, but we will still think in numbers and words. Some people make the mistake of rejecting this type of thinking. But we need to use these modes in order to function in the everyday world. When it comes to knowing Tao, thought tied to sensory images is not enough to bring complete realization. Dualistic thinking cannot be used to know Tao. But don't discard it as long as ordinary functioning in the world is necessary. When one meditates, one must use an aspect of consciousness that does not cling to external forms. This type of consciousness is beyond the senses. Some call these states of mind super-consciousness, samadhi, nirvana, or enlightenment. These are mere names. All that matters is getting close to these states. Then all labels fall away. There you have it. That's uh, called images and, wow, right? The labels we give things, that's our lower self that gives out all the labels. Um, the The dualistic thinking, good and bad, tall and short, our lower self is the one who gives out all those labels as well. So when we search for Tao or when we search for spirituality, right, we have to go beyond the the five senses, even beyond the six senses or seven senses or ten. We have to go beyond. And by going beyond, we can get into Tao or spirituality or reality. Right? What an excellent adventure. I'm happy to be on the adventure and... uh I hope you are too I think that's one thing in our in our Lives that If we see it as an adventure And we're like Pioneers or explorers In spirituality That makes it kind of cool I think So thank you for joining me And um, I hope you have A wonderful day and night And remain in a good vibration Maybe think about some of these Concepts we're talking about And And maybe share them with some other people. And as always, keep shining.